0: Welcome everyone to Tamrielic Adventures, a show bringing you information from all across the far reaches of Tamriel. I'm your host, Eric Basiliore, and if you had paid attention to my Twitter or Instagram in the last couple weeks, you realize that I'm not going to be doing the Dwemer today as originally planned, but instead I'm going to be doing the Nords. So um, I realized that in my early on series on all things Skyrim, I never covered the Nords themselves, and today we are going to remedy that. Now, there is a lot of ground to cover with the Nords, so yet the main segment of this podcast runs a little bit long, so there's not going to be any skit today. Um, My merchant friend is actually sleeping, so... I'm going to let him sleep and I'd rather not have him yell at me about putting off the Khajiit. So we're going to go ahead and hop right into the news. Now, this first article is a little little deep, a little dark. So there is a an article about a guy named Colt Meredith who unfortunately committed suicide now, his, he committed suicide several months ago and his girlfriend, who goes by Raven, reached out to Bethesda Game Studios on Twitter and she mentioned how he would always say that he would literally give anything just to live in the world of Skyrim. In her message to Bethesda, she mentions that she recently booted up Skyrim for the first time in years to make him as the player character. Like, recreate him as the character she plays as. And she says she knows it's a long shot, but if they ever need an NPC design, she knows that it would mean the world to have him, have them make him as a character. So, she is imploring that they make him as an NPC in the new game, Elder Scrolls VI. And she really would like for him to say something along the lines of, I, I know you're going through a rough time, don't give up, you'll make it through, or something along those lines. So. Bethesda has actually responded saying that they'll definitely take it into consideration. They're sorry for her loss. Thank her for reaching out to them. And it the game is a long ways away from being released, but they're going to really take it into consideration that they're going to they're going to do what they can to meet her requests so good on them so yeah if if you're going through a rough time please don't be afraid to reach out for help this is a really bittersweet story so my heart goes out to her it's i can't imagine on a little bit of a lighter note bethesda is still adding things to the original doom and doom 2 so there is now widescreen support for those two games, so that's awesome. And this next one is about Fallout 76, so the Legendary Run Season 1 ends at noon today, September 8th, so I have really been working on this the last couple weeks. And I'm nowhere near completing it. But then again, I didn't focus on doing the daily challenges until the last week or two. Um, So this has been a great addition to the Fallout 76 game. Basically, you go through and do certain activities. And I mean, I was just playing normally and I got close to being halfway through the board. But you go through and do certain things and just check your dailies. If you play the game and it'll tell you what tasks you get points on. There's weekly tasks, there's daily tasks, and it can be as menial as taking pictures in photo mode a certain number of times. Or it could be completing a certain number of in-game events, such as the path to enlightenment, things like that. Hi, Pippa. My dog just yawned. And you gain points, and you gain a certain number of points, and they'll give you prizes in-game. And it could be lunch boxes, which will add random effects, give you certain random items. It could be in-game currency, atoms. It could be gold bullion that you could use toward uh, buying plans and stuff. It could be paint for your, like, skins for your armor and weapons. And it's been a lot of fun. It's given me certain goals to meet. And I need that in a game. I need something to work toward. So this first season ends today, sadly. Um, Like I said, I'm nowhere near being able to complete it. I'm maybe 60% the way through the board. But then again, like I said, I wasn't even checking my daily tasks until recently. A lot of people finished the board, and congratulations to those of you who did. The next season, Season 2, begins September 15th and runs through mid-December. So I am really looking forward to that. Um, I'm looking at the prizes they gain, like you get here, and there's still... Atoms, there's still lunch boxes. Um, there's still weapon and armor paint. They give you um, skins for your stash box. Uh, you can get a weight bench. Um, there's player icons. There's caps, which I can always use. Cra- caps. There's legendary scripts so you can get legendary weapons. I actually got some pretty kick ass three star legendary weapons with the script that I gained. Um, there's perk cards, there's photo mode frames, um, yeah, um, it'll be awesome, so I'm looking forward to that. It'll be nice to have a little bit of a break from the grind, um, but that's, yeah. Anyway, so, I, like, like you've probably noticed, I've played a lot of Fallout 76, um, if you watch my twitch streams that's mostly what i've been playing i played a little bit of fallout 4 i've played um doom 2016 on stream i uh, doom is always brutal man i always die a lot playing doom you've got to be um, but the thing is it it's really gory and violent but the violence it, like is so satisfying playing that game um Sorry to sound morbid, but you've got all these monsters attacking you, these demons, and then you just go and rip their jaw off their heads. Like, kind of like a payback. It's fun. So, I was playing that, and then I got the... Wolfenstein the Old Blood and Wolfenstein the New Order 2 pack on Xbox. So I was playing a bit of that. I have played through I have played through Wolfenstein 2 the New Colossus a couple of times. I had it for the Nintendo Switch, but I'd never played the games that came before that. Now, I have played a ton of Wolfenstein 3D as a kid growing up, but And that was awesome. Uh, If my parents knew just how that could get pretty gory for early to mid-90s, they probably wouldn't have let us play it. But I have some very fond memories of playing Wolfenstein 3D growing up, and I still go back to it from time to time. So I was playing Wolfenstein The Old Blood on stream, And my friend from the Hive, KDB, was watching me, shout out to him. And I died a lot starting out, but I eventually got the hang of it, so that'll be a lot of fun. I don't know if you're familiar with the series, but it follows a soldier from the American Army who fought during World War II. And the first official game in the series, The New Order takes place during the 1960s so the prequel to the game the old blood which is what i was playing takes place during world war ii the sequel to the new order the new colossus picks up right where the new order left off like right as it happens you actually get to see what happened at the end of the new order so you know what choices to make as soon as you start playing which i think is kind of cool and there is some replay value to the new colossus like there are a couple of different choices you make during the game that can affect the gameplay whether you let one character live and another one die or vice versa and things like that so there is some replay value which is one of the reasons why i was so keen to play it a second time so, if you're into Wolfenstein, definitely check these out. I mean, these games have been out for a few years. Now, there is a new game in this series called Wolfenstein Youngblood. It stars his twin daughters, um, and the game takes place in the 1980s. I guess uh, Blaskowitz was captured, so you play as his daughters trying to find him and save him, so... That's a lot of what I've been playing the last couple weeks. I have been playing some ESO on stream. So I did make my Bosmer character a vampire. So that's been fun. So I'm going to be playing that a little bit more the next couple weeks. Um, Now that I got a little bit of a break from the legendary run with Fallout 76. So I do need to play some more Elder Scrolls. I've got Skyrim too. i got plenty of Elder Scrolls to play. So I will definitely be playing that here during the next couple weeks. So stay tuned. Um, you can find my Twitch at twitch.tv slash sulior if you would like to watch. So um, yeah, that's mostly what I've been playing. So So let's take a short break where you get to hear from my sponsor Anchor and then I will talk about the Nords. Stay tuned and I'll see you on the other side. Alright guys, so let's talk about the Nords. So the Nords are known as the Children of the Sky. They are a race of tall, fair-haired humans from Skyrim who are known for their incredible resistance to cold and magical frost. They are fierce, strong, and enthusiastic warriors, and many become renowned warriors, soldiers, and mercenaries all over Tamriel. Eager to augment their martial skills beyond the traditional methods of Skyrim, they excel in all manners of warfare and are known as a militant people by their neighbors. Nords, for a time, were known for their nautical prowess when they migrated from Atmora. Seafaring merchants or smugglers were not unheard of, as was the case with Tobias. Although Nords intermingled with other races over the years, it is primarily to Atmora, the northmost known place on Nern, that they trace their lineage. Atmora is likely a human corruption of Altmora. A name found in old Elvish records, which means Elderwood. Legends say that Atmora was once very green and prosperous, until the Freezing turned it into an inhospitable wasteland, plagued by civil war, causing its people to migrate to Tamriel in waves throughout the Merithic and First Eras. During this migration, Chieftain Esgrimor rallied people from all sides who desired to live in peace and set sail to the south. I think I've talked about Ysgrimor early on in the show, and they eventually arrived at Haskir Head at the extreme northern tip of Skyrim's Broken Cave. They named the new land Merith in tribute to the Aldmeri Elves who had already settled most of the continent. Contrary to many stories which apparently credit Ysgrimor with being the leader of the first group of human settlers. He and his colonists were among, were the latest in a long line of emigrants from Atmora to Skyrim, and many had already migrated to other places around Tamriel. Elves and men lived in relative peace and prosperity for a great deal of time, but racial tensions grew along with the human population, and eventually violence erupted. It is unclear how it started, but the elves razed the Nordic capital city of Sarthal. That is part of the Night of Tears I talked about early on in the show. Killing the defenders and everyone unable to flee in a slaughter now known as the Night of Tears. Yeah, that I talked about in great detail in the Fall of the Snow Prince episode. According to legend, the only humans to survive were Isgrimor and his two sons, who fled back to Atmora, where they gathered the famous 500 companions and sailed back to expediently slaughter any elves they came across. Founding new cities as they went and clearing the way for new settlers. During this time, the Nords also frequently waged war with the great with the giants. Sorry. The clans of Giants of Skyrim and Ysgrimor purposely slaughtered hundreds of Giants himself. Yeah, Wurthrad, his axe actually kind of has a, an enchantment on it. <laughs> Despite these early conflicts, the presence of Giants remained throughout the province of, in eras that followed, although both races largely kept themselves. The 500's great achievements and acts of heroism cemented them and their leader, Ysgrimor, as role models in Nordic culture. Their legacy is perpetually carried on by the Companions, a group of nonpartisan mercenaries who are renowned as impartial arbiters in matters of honor. Ysgrimor's descendant, King Harald, who is credited with the first uniting the province under its customary borders in First Era 113, drove the last of the elves out of the province in first era 143. Despite heavy resistance, elves were also driven from Solstheim, a small island northeast of Skyrim, which would be predominantly inhabited by Nords for thousands of years to come. Dragons were a part of the Nordic religion that was greatly revered. Dragon priests, on par with kings in terms of the power they wielded, acted as intermediates between the people and the Serpentine God Kings, whose name cannot even be uttered by the common folk, temples were built to honor and appease the dragons. Many of which survive today as ancient ruins haunted by draugr and undead dragon priests. The dragon priests in Tamriel became more tyrannical, and the populace eventually rebelled sometime in the Morithic Era, leading to the legendary Dragon War. Some dragons turned against their own kind and taught the Nords powerful magic that allowed them to turn the tide of the war in their favor. After a long and bloody campaign, the rule of the dragons was ended and the remaining worms fled to remote islands. The Dragon Cold survived for a time but was marginalized and eventually died out. The last Dragon cult Stronghold was found and besieged in First Era 140. Other traditional Nordic beliefs known as the Old Ways continued on and remained prevalent among the Nords even after the introduction of the Divines. In First Era 241, King Farg, the gifted Herald's son, began the aggressive expansion known as the Skyrim Conquest, which would culminate in the First Empire of the Nords. Within a span of 50 years, the descendants of Ysgramor ruled all of northern Tamriel, including most of the present day High Rock and the whole of Marwind. Some Nord leaders wanted to turn south to Cyrodiil, but the Gerald Mountains proved to be too big a barrier, and, a northern, and northern Cyrodiil proved too poor a to prize. Over the next few centuries, Skyrim expanded and it contracted as battles were won and lost. The conquests and the empire came to an end in First era 369 with the death of King Borges, the last of the Isgrimor line, during the Wild Hunt. When the ruling council or Moot was unable to choose a jarl, was unable to choose Jarl Hans of Winterhold, considered the obvious choice by imperial scholars, as the new High King, the ensuing civil war tore the empire apart. The war concluded in 1st Era 420 with the Pact of Chieftains, but the Empire lost its holdings in High Rock and Marwind, and Skyrim was divided into independent kingdoms. The Nords tried to conquer Morrowind around 1st Era 700, but were rebuffed and united by the United Khimer and Dwemer forces, and the Tribunal would protect Marwind from the invasion for thousands of years to come. The failure of the Nord tongues in Marwind prompted Jorgen Windcaller, If you played Skyrim, you know who that is. To begin a seven-year meditation to understand the failure leading to the discovery of the Way of the Voice. Which should also sound familiar if you've played Skyrim. Skyrim? um, Late in the First Era, an invasion from Akvir cut through Skyrim. Even though Nords don't meet invasions with pitchers of mead, they were unable to stop the mighty Akavir Dragon Guard, and it took the United Armies of Cyrodiil to stop the advance at the Battle of Pale Pass, which if you played Oblivion that should sound familiar also. The Nords were understandably impressed, and for the first time the whole of Skyrim pledged allegiance to one man, Raymond Cyrodiil, one of the first dragonborn recorded in history to, and the founder of the Second Empire of Man. The Nords would generally support the Empire, even under the Potentates for hundreds of years to come. The chaos of the Intrigum brought the Nords an opportunity for glorious battle against their neighbors. Together with the Bretons of Hyrock, they once again looked south to Cyrodiil for room to expand. Despite some initial success, they they did not count on Tiber Septim. Skyrim was absorbed comparatively peacefully into the Empire of Tiber Septim. During the Battle of Sancrator around Second Era 852, and other clashes notwithstanding, many Nords found employment in the Imperial Legion as Talos generally nurtured the relations with the North. Considering he's a Nord himself, or he was a Nord himself, that should not come as a surprise. In the centuries after the Empire's founding, Skyrim was was drawn into several major conflicts. One of these was the War of the Red Diamond, where Skyrim supported Queen Potema against the Empire (laughs) that's a bad idea the Civil War nearly tore the Empire apart and it would take 17 long years before Potema was finally defeated and peace was restored if you played Skyrim you've heard of Potema she was known as the Wolf Queen however a strong underground movement called Horm believing that Potema and her disposed son were the last of the Tiber Septim's true blood, continued to work against the Imperials' interests in Skyrim. Close to the end of the Third Era, the kingdoms of Skyrim instigated several wars to expand their territory. The War of the Bender Mop during the Imperial Simulacrum, Simulacrum, yeah, easy for me to say, increased Nordic holdings considerably swallowing up many miles of territory traditionally belonging to Eastern High Rock and Hammerfell and they have their eyes on Morrowind which is no longer protected by the Tribunal. Yeah it, during the um, tr- the DLC for Tribunal they kind of collapsed on themselves and oh, as well as Morrowind itself really The Fourth Era brought significant changes for the Nords, I should say so. Late in the Third Era and the beginning years of the Fourth Era, Solstheim became overrun by Dunmer refugees from Morrowind, which had been devastated by natural disasters, and then invaded by the Argonians of Blackmarsh, who had already conquered much of Morrowind. The Nords of Solstheim wanted to win independence from the Empire and planned to destroy Fort Frostmouth. Many Dunmer also fled west on the mainland, establishing a strong presence in cities in eastern Skyrim. Following the sacking of Nova Orsinium, many Orc refugees were escorted into Skyrim by the Imperial Legion. Many Orcs chose to segregate their society and live in Orc strongholds scattered throughout the wilderness, but some others, like the Dunmer, have chosen to live in civilized settlements in Skyrim. Despite some trepidation at these newcomers, Nords remained peaceful and prosperous, with some exceptions, in the tumultuous aftermath of the Oblivion Crisis. However, their peace would not last. Around Fourth Era 200, a little over twenty years after the Great War had ended, High King of Skyrim was killed. A disagreement over whether his death was murder or the result of an honorable duel, combined with the resentments created by the White Gold Concordant, which ended the Great War, launched Skyrim into a bloody Stormcloak Rebellion, named after the leader of the Rebels, Jarl Ulfric Stormcloak. Even more disturbing was the return of Alduin, the ancient enemy from the Dragon War, which had led massacres against them, which the Nord Rebellion had long held would herald the end of the world. And... This should sound familiar to anybody who's played more than five minutes of Skyrim. There are two things Nords love most, music and mead. Most Nords wear animal skins or cotton clothing, and they are generally tolerant of outsiders to Skyrim, though often do not make them feel welcome. In particular, Nords still hold a bitter resentment toward elves. The Reach, one of the Nine Holds of Skyrim, has only a slight Nord majority, and cities in the East have become overwhelmingly influenced by the Dunmer. The Northern and Eastern Holds, Winterhold, Eastmarsh, the Rift, and the Pale, are known collectively as the Old Holds, where the influence of Old Nordic tradition is still relatively strong and outsiders are rare. Young men there go out for weeks into the high peaks in the dead of winter hunting ice rays that give them the claim to full status as citizens. Yeah, if you played the Stormcloak side of the Civil War storyline, that's actually what they have you do as an initiation into the Stormcloaks. So you have to go kill an Ice Wraith. So, The Reach and the Rift both have long histories of lawlessness and are generally associated with criminal activity. I'd say the Rift is mostly known for criminal activity, particularly thieving. Nords tend to be superstitious, and their of their and their folklore reflects this. Nordic names often are chosen based on omens and are given in a special ceremony when the child is young. Any unexplained misfortune is often blamed on the Falmer or the Snow Elves. The Falmer, long believed to be extinct after the vengeful Nordic invasion of their homelands, caused by the aggressive Falmer response to the new Atmoran inhabitants, were generally driven deep underground where they became feral and perpetually seek to kill those who dwell above them. So it's possible in truth that to some of these claims. Yeah, the Falmer or the Betrayed, I have, that's uh, part of the Fall of the Snow Prince episode that I did in my Skyrim uh, series that I did early on. Nords are known as masters of wood and timber construction. Besides the cities of Skyrim, their architectural style is reflected in Bruma, situated in northern Cyrodiil. Nord buildings are built primary, partially underground to conserve heat and are made with stones. Wood is used only for support, and roofs are of straw above the wood. These houses are essential to keep in heat in the freezing climate. Similar designs are also seen in Solstheim, yet there's been long debate as to whether Solstheim belongs to Morrowind or Skyrim. So, As far as their religion goes, the Nords are known to be devout people with grim religious beliefs. Among other things, they have long believed that Alduin, the World Eater, would eventually return and bring about the end of the world. As dark as their belief systems are viewed to be, all Nordic traditions extend one bright, shining hope for the Nords. Sovngarde, the Hall of Valor, where the Nords who have proven their mettle in battle, or died valiantly, are welcome to experience euphoric bliss and Kemradine free from time and boredom. Some stories claim that the palace was built by, and still inhabited by, the elusive Shord. It is a little surprise that cowardice is the worst trait a Nord can exhibit for a Nord is judged not by the manner in which he lived but the manner in which he died. Eastgramora and the Atmorans brought with them the worship of animal gods, the wolf, snake, hawk, moth, owl, whale, bear, fox, and more importantly and most importantly the dragon so you know those claws you find in skyrim to open doors that's why those symbols are on there over time as nord beliefs evolved the traditional nordic pantheon of divines emerged as personifications of natural forces and ideas many scholars believe that the nordic pantheon is the same as the orthodox pantheon mainly with different merely with different names there are certainly many parallels, and many Nords who have adopted the divines evidently have this understanding. The isolated Nordic tribe in Solstheim, the Skull, carry on to tradition very similar to the old traditional of animal worship. The Skull venerate all nature, believing that certain parts of their environment, such as wind, trees, and sun, were given to them by the Allmaker, the benevolent, unknowable creator of deity. Wolves and bears are especially sacred to the small tribe. All aspects of nature must constantly be in harmony, for this is what gives the skull their shamanic powers. The skull also tells tales of the adversary, the enemy of of mankind, and his lieutenant, the greedy man. In this regard, the faith of the skull is nearly the opposite of the pantheon or of their kin in Skyrim. Although the skull do not worship them, they acknowledge the existence of the Daedric princes. Yeah, I remember playing Skyrim, the Dragonborn DLC, and dealing with uh, Herma Mora, or Hermaeus Mora. Like most ma- modern Tamrielic races, the Nordic religion is focused on the Aedra and their old ally, Lorkhan. However, the Nord sky goddess Kyn is notably more assertive and warlike than the lo- nature-loving Kynrit. Although Mara is present in her role as a mother goddess, she is thought of as a mere handmaiden to kind, the actual mother of the Nords, and the widow to shore. She is also credited with sending her son Morharris, or perhaps Pelinal, to aid the Cryo Nordic slaves in the uprising against the Aeliads in 1st Era 242. Shortly after the Nordic Pantheon of Gods would be fused the Altmeri Pantheon by Alessia into the Eight Divines, although this new belief system would be bucked occasionally. Interesting, interestingly, a certain Daedra, notably Hermes Mora, are found in the Nordic Pantheon. <laughs> Herma Mora, yeah. The former chief of the Nordic Pantheon, Skyrim, is Shore. Shores bones! he was the king of the gods and the champion of men in their struggle against the elves until being treacherously slain by the elven devils and consigned to serve as a god of the underworld he may still have an impact on the mortal world in the form of the shizuring shorn was left out shore was left out of the eight divines but is still represented in a way acceptable to some nords as the spirit behind all human undertaking in the Cerebral Pantheon, Shor and Shizar are suspected to be the same entity as Lorcan. Traditional Nords, uh, the traditional Nordic Pantheon has a very muddled history with Akatosh, the Dragon God of Time, and misconceptions abound. The totem animals of the Old Ways included the dragon, whose scholars correlate with the worship of Akatosh, but the veneration of dragons understandably dwindled among the Nords after the Dragon War. The Nords of the First Era thus came to know Akatosh as Ariel, the elven deity whom they demonized. Nevertheless, Akatosh was reintroduced into Alessia's compromised pantheon many scholars over the years most of whom were foreigners unfamiliar with the nuances of nordic history have mistakenly assumed that alduin was merely the nordic name of akatosh due to the mistrust of nordic education and the integrity of the oral traditions even well-informed scholars dismissed this dichotomy despite the fact that akatosh's benevolent nature bore no resemblance to alduin and the nords who accepted akatosh as a deity maintain that he was distinct from Alduin. The spiritual relationship between lords and breath is crucial to understanding Nordic beliefs and motivations. They believe Kain breathed life into them at the throat of the world, the highest mountain in Skyrim. Another creation myth revolves around the wondering wandering pro- progenitors of the Mrythic Era, some of whom were displaced to Atmora during the Ahinafe Wars and of the Dawn Era and became the Nords. The two stories are not necessarily in conflict, as they both seem to suggest that the Nordic ancestors emerged in Skyrim, flourished in Atmora, and then returned. Regardless, the Nords began to Breathe, believe that their breath and voice are vital essence and that by uttering shouts in the tongue of the dragons they can channel their essence to perform incredible feats the nords would have been able to use the thum a magical shout capable of extraordinary power as nearly an unstoppable weapon against their adversaries as far back as the late mythic era sorry mythic era not Marithic era. they view it as a gift from kine and whose talent to wield it are called the tongues. The ancient Greybeards still sit atop the top of the 7,000 steps leading to the settlement of High Hrothgar near the summit of the Throne of the World, where they practice the Way of the Voice. Their leader, Jorgen Winkhaler, brought about a ban on the use of the doom outside of times of true need. Tiber Septim established the Imperial College of the Voice in Markarth, an attempt to turn the Way of the Voice to warfare. While some tongues, like Ulfric Stormcloak, have proved willing to use the Thume for violence, the use of the Thume in warfare has remained extremely rare among the Nords. It is false to assume, however, that the Way of the Voice demands pacifism. While the Greybeards don't like to take up arms directly, they occasionally speak and thereby set titanic events in motion. They have spoken together on only two known occasions to announce the destiny of Tiber Septim and later to do the same for the last Dragonborn. Today, Izmir is the name by which the Nords recognize the divinity of Talos. However, they have competing theories as to who Izmir really is. The title seems to have originated with Izmir Wolfarth. The Atmoran ruler of ancient Skyrim, whose doom was so powerful that he could not speak without causing destruction. This is actually rather typical of the greatest masters' powerful tongues, who have often gagged for safety, who are often gagged for safety. In Nordic society, the Dragonborn is the archetype of what a Nord should be, and any Dragonborn is treated with great, deep, great respect. A dragonborn can not only wield the power of the Doom like other tongues, but he can also absorb the souls of dragons, as well as knowledge of the Doom, thereby achieving in a short time what it takes others a lifetime to, attain, to learn. The dragonborn emperors were able to rely on this cultural influence to cement the fealty of the Nords, while emperors of the Fourth Era were not. It is likely because of this that so many Nords are unwilling to give up the worship of Talos, even in the face of a ban by the Empire. And that is it as far as the Nords go. So I'm sorry that we didn't get to the Dormer today, but I could not believe that I never got around to talking about the nords during my skyrim series early on leading up to graymore so yeah uh glad we finally got to it thank you to the hive for once again sponsoring this podcast if you would like to help out this show please 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 leave a review as well as some text on apple podcast i will read it on the show if you do that If you would like to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter at TamrielicP and Instagram at TamrielicAdventures. You can also email me at TamrielicAdventuresPodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me in-game on Xbox at uh, Suliore, S-U-L-I-O-R-E. And also on PC North America at EE Gold, E-E-G-O-L-D. Um, I keep forgetting to mention this. I don't know why, but I started a Discord service for this show, as well as my other show, Nintenfo, which you can also find. We are in the middle of a series on the Fire Emblem series. <laughs> a series on a series, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're going through Fire Emblem. I'm going to have one or two more episodes. Speaking of Nintendo, we are coming up on Nintendo's first birthday, and we may or may not have something special planned. So keep an ear to the ground for that. That'll be a lot of fun if and when it happens. So, um, next week, or not next week, next episode, we are going to be getting into the Dwemer. I know we keep pushing off the Khajiit. And my merchant friend is not happy to happy about that, but like I said, I'm making up for it by doing not just one but two episodes on Khajiit. So that about wraps it up. I know this episode ran a little long, but there was a lot of info there. and hopefully it was all good. hope you hopefully you all enjoyed that. so. Um, As far as what I'm going to do next, um, I think I mentioned that I am going to start getting into the Aedra and the Daedra. So, keep an ear out for that, as well as the other upcoming episodes. So, sorry for rambling, but um, like I said, there's just a lot of info there, and it was all good. So, as always, stay safe, adventurers.